Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Welcome to episode 129 of the Average Cheese Podcast. The whole family is back for episode 129. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at RNM Management. Thanks to Dwight at DDGCustoms.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. Peter, it is great to see you again. It's good to be here. I'm I'm doing well. And after the last few episodes, which were so good, I thought I'd better get off the bench quickly, else I'll be permanently left on the bench. You can't make the club from the tub, Peter. You got to. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Eric, by the way, coming on a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. Todd's good to see you after yeah. we've time through the entire preseason game. We sure did. Yeah, that was fun. Let's get into it. Peter, I don't know who this man is. So episode 129 says Charlie Brock. Charlie Brock. Yeah, so... When you look at the 29s for the Packers, this was the, the player that jumped out at me, the players that wore 29. And Charlie Brock is one of those guys played in the 30s and 40s who actually, you know what, really deserves consideration for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And yet you speak to a lot of fans and, and the name doesn't jump out to them. Really, really excellent players. Originally from Nebraska, came from a big football family. There were seven Seven boys, most of whom that played college football. So Charlie played at Nebraska. Some of his brothers played at Notre Dame and Purdue and Kansas State and, and other places. So big football family. And, and and Charlie played both ways, as they did back then. So he played center on offense and linebacker on, on defense. And started every game at, at Nebraska from 36 to 38. It was all conference. Kind of makes me chuckle now because it was the big six back then. <laughs> So, so I'm just thinking going laterally sideways to to the Big Ten is about to have about 18 teams in it any any time any time soon. But it was the the Big Six back then, and he was drafted by the Packers 24th overall pick in 1939. Played for the Packers from 39 to 47, and during that time the Packers had a winning season every one of those seasons in which he played for the Packers, including winning a couple of NFL championships in 39 and 44. In that 39 championship game, Charlie Brock had a couple of interceptions. The Milwaukee Sentinel, so before it became the Journal Sentinel, reported that Brock seemed like a man possessed in that <laughs> game. So, so one of his finest games that came at the end of his, his rookie season. And like I say, the Packers had a winning season every year in which Brock played. He was a multiple-time All-Pro NFL's all-decade team of the 1940s. As I say, played centre and linebacker. Curly Lambeau regarded him, and this is a little bit of Lambeau bias, perhaps. Lambeau regarded him as the best centre in the league during his career, and that's at the same time as a couple of Hall of Fame centres or future Hall of Fame centres were playing, and certainly one of the finest linebackers the Packers have ever, have ever had. So from 1940 to 47. He had 20 interceptions 
And the league only started counting interceptions in 1940. So the year before they started counting them, he had eight interceptions. So actually had 28 unofficial Yikes. interceptions across his career from the linebacker spot, which is the most from a linebacker in, Packer, in Packers history. Returned three of those interceptions for, for touchdowns. The NFL started recording fumble recoveries in 1945, and Brock led the league with five in 1945 and then led the league again with six in 1946. So kind of earned himself a, a nickname of the thief because he was always taking the football away. One of the best, almost unheard of Packer players from that era, like I say, playing center and linebacker, and missed only five games across the whole of his career, four of which were due to an appendectomy. So basically missed one game due to injury across his nine-year career, playing 60 minutes in all of those games. As I said, was named to the NFL's all-decade team of the 40s, Packers Hall of Famer, um, Nebraska Hall of Fame, and certainly is one of those guys that should be up for consideration for the for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Passed away in the late 1980s, and he's buried in Green Bay at the same cemetery as Arnie Herber and Lavi Dilwick. So anybody that's into visiting that kind of stuff, he's there at Fort Howard Memorial Park in Green Bay. Charlie Brock, the thief, also also had a nickname of Ears because he had cauliflower ears. Apparently, did he wrestle? Um, um, I don't I don't know Austin. that he did. I've, I've not seen anything to say that he did, but probably growing up with all those brothers, he did. So, yeah, he didn't yeah, wrestle officially, but he had seven brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Therefore, um, the cauliflower ear. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. Was, they're wearing leather fucking helmets at that time. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That I don't know. Yep. Yeah, that's possible too. There is some cool film on, on YouTube of some of those championship games, and the 39 championship game is there in which he had two interceptions and stuff, the highlights. So you can actually still see some of the plays that he that he made so thank you for that i was as you were talking i thought okay he had 28 interceptions and i don't know how many times they threw the football in 1940 or 1941 but like as a percentage of passes thrown against that's a huge number right if he had eight interceptions and and, and again not only fewer passes per game but fewer games peter has he ever been nominated for the hall of fame he's been nominated but he's never got to the finalist position prior to being a senior candidate or being a senior candidate so he's never he's never had his case made if you like because the presentation's yeah. never been never been made for him and i think the difficulty he, ha he has now obviously like lots of these guys is such a catch-up with these senior guys very difficult for him and you look so at the, the packers lavi dilweg and Vern llewellyn from the early days they're not in and we're talking about Sterling Sharp not being in and, and Gail Gillingham not being in. And there's, you know, just from a Packers perspective, there's a bunch of guys. You could easily name 10 guys from the Packers who who certainly would have a really good shout. All right, let's get on to the slices. Todd, thanks for the notes today, by the way. Well yeah. done. What are your thoughts, Peter, on Joe Barry calling defenses from the press box in you know contrast to what he's done previously better or worse doesn't make any difference i don't know whether it's going to make a, a difference or not i think it's an interesting move that they've just made that move because that in itself implies that they want to do something different which is no bad thing i mean considering the defense ranked what 17th last year in in yards and 17th in points given up with the talent that they've got the number of first rounders etc cetera, etc cetera, i think they have to do something better exploit what what they've got if joe barry going to the box helps that 
fantastic, but time will tell. It'll be interesting to see if he does that during the regular season. This just might be a little experiment during the preseason to see if it's it's better for him. It might not be long-term. Todd, you said something about when we were talking during the game about LaFleur being yeah. like having freedom or space. Yeah, uh, it was just like a, I guess, an observation with obviously without Barry on the sideline, but it really looked like just to back up. I mean, that's Matt LaFleur's sideline. He should own that sideline. He should have command of that sideline. You know, in his first couple of years as a coach, when when you'd see him on TV, he's just like weaving in and out of players and you got number 12 in your ear and hovering over you and there's coaches all over the place. It really seemed like an effort to kind of clean all that up. 12 is gone, Barry's up in the box, and he kind of can have some space to actually be a head coach on a sideline. That was just an observation. I mean, it it looked that way. It looked like he had some space to actually think, you know, through a game as it's happening. Let's see how that goes. Hopefully it helps. I mean, it can't hurt. So when I used to, well, I still go to Packer games, but when I would go to Packer games, I really liked sitting up high so that you can see what's going on in the field. You can see how plays develop and how they open up. Whereas you, you're just in the wash down on the field. And I can't imagine what it's like being on the sideline in the middle of the field when you're trying to see what's going on on the other side. Can't tell who was in, you know, in the wrong spot at the wrong time. So this, I, I, I don't think there's anything negative from it. Great point as well. I mean, you know, you think back to when Mike Holmgren was on the sideline, even when he first came to Green Bay, you weren't left in any doubt who was in control of that sideline. Oh, yeah. Who was in control of what was going on over there? No doubt. One of my favorite things of the week with uh, Cincinnati is Elton Jenkins getting into a fight twice in the inner squad practices or whatever they call them, the combined practices. I will say that there isn't enough of that in Green Bay. There isn't enough nasty, like, fuck you. I'm, you know what? I'm the man here and you're not. I think that's what happens during the playoffs. There isn't somebody, there's no, there's not enough alphas in the locker room or on that sideline. Things start going south. You don't have anybody to say, fuck this. So I love that he got thrown out of practice. Absolutely. I was surprised that it was Jenkins. And then the dude that he got in a fight with called him a jag, just another guy. Yeah. And Jenkins is like, uh, two-time pro bowler. Yeah. You know. Going to get a bunch of And I beat your ass, so it was weird. (laughs) Good for him. I'm glad he got tossed. So some less than positive news. Uh, Tyler Davis towards ACL. It's the risk you run. You have to run out there and and play preseason games, and your guys are going to get hurt. Uh, We're not big fans of Tyler Davis, but as you look at the roster, Peter, now, right now, the tight end room, who blocks (laughs) <laughs> DeGuara. Oh. <laughs> Pullback spot, though, right? Does he now come down on the line and they, they move somebody else into that moving H-back spot? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they don't have that blocking tight end. I, I, I don't know what they're going to do there. I mean, I, I you have to assume that let's throw DeGuara into that mix. He's a slightly different player, it's just is as you said, he's, 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 a, he's a move guy. But with Davis there, you would imagine that they were going to carry four tight ends, including DeGuara. I guess they will sign somebody because Lafleur loves that tight end, blocking tight end guy. So so you, so you imagine that they're still going to carry four on the final 53. 
And so therefore they've got to sign somebody. And they've got Austin Allen, I guess, is the is the next guy up. I can't really comment too much there. I just don't know enough about him, whether he's a guy that they really like or whether he was a camp guy. I don't I don't know. He may be more than a camp guy now. But I thought I saw he's like 6'8", 253. Like he's not exactly heavy. You know, he doesn't have the body of a typical. But I guess Mercedes Lewis is also 6'8", right? 6'7", or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Austin's a big guy. He's 6'8", 250 pounds plus. From that perspective, he kind of fits that mold. I just don't know enough about him as a player or can't remember enough about him as a player in college to to comment too much right now. He may get a bunch of snaps this week. I bet they're going to see what they got in him for sure. And they should. You know, he should get a lot of snaps this week to see what they've got in him. Todd, you putting this in the notes. Dalvin, now with the Jets, playing with the twat waffle. I just saw it on ESPN right before we went on. Kind of crazy. What I think that instantly, and this is just me thinking out loud, I think that instantly goes from whatever the Jets are predicted to have for wins, whether that's, let's say, eight, I think that takes them to, like, 12. Really? Yeah. Wow. That, I think that's a guaranteed, like, you just put three to four more wins on your record. If he stays healthy, he's... It, yes, yes, absolutely. He's sidelined and misses games or something. Maybe that changes, but if he stays healthy... That's three or four more wins for the Jets, I think. Yeah, well, you and I have always liked Dalvin Cook. In fact, we didn't like the fact he played for the Vikings, but we always thought that Vikings running game was strong with with both him and Alexander Madison. We've always kind of liked him. They've got Brees Hall there at the Jets. I guess what you get in is an ex- you get an, an experienced guy that 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 knows how to how to carry the load. And like you say, I think if he stays healthy, then. He's a thousand yard rusher in this day and age, you know, in a 17 game season. I guess for the Jets, he's a nice, solid team leader type pickup. I think the Jets are going to be more concerned about where their offensive line is as much as any other position that they've got. I think that's the big question mark. I think the only concern I would have if I was the Jets is, is he going to be suspended for all the domestic? He's got like a big domestic dispute charge behind him. And I wonder if that's why the Vikings dropped him in the first place. I mean, there's stuff like he offered like the girlfriend like a million dollars to keep quiet and all kinds of stuff like that. So there's a little bit of, I don't know, baggage. Thank you. He's got some baggage. We all think he's a talented dude. For him to just sit out there says something. If he plays 12 games for them and play, you know, and he goes off, I I think he's valued. For sure. And it's a one-year deal. All right. Let's get on to this game. Packers 36. Packers put up 30 points in a free. 36-19 over the Bengals, who were not didn't play a lot of their guys. Peter, initial thoughts before we get into the good and the bad and the ugly on this game. Yeah, I mean, first, a main initial thought for me, and this was what I wanted to see the Packers do in the preseason is they had to play, for me, as many starters as they could for at least a couple of series. Now, I would like to have seen the starters. I'd like to have seen Jordan Love play more than a couple of series. But I appreciate that once you start taking the offensive line guys out, then you're going to take your quarterback out. I get I, I get that. I would like to have seen them all play a little bit more. But the main thing for me was I wanted to see them play. So that was the number one thing for me was that the starters or the majority of the starters got some action as compared to the previous two years where we've seen 
the starters not play or hardly play at all in the preseason, and the Packers have been completely undercooked going into the regular season opener and pretty much got blown out both times. That cannot happen this year. Todd, initial thoughts. Well, it's funny you say that because we were, we were talking about the same thing while we were watching the game about whether or not Love should go back out for another series. And I agreed. I, I, I felt as though there was some room there to just throw him back out there for at least one more. Overall, I was pleasantly surprised. I, some of the, the things I've been reading out of camp with the inconsistency of like the execution and things on, on the offensive side of the ball, I didn't really see a lot of that. It looked like there was guys were executing. They knew where to go. LaFleur was calling plays and they were executing them. I and mean, it, it looked pretty flawless from that, from that perspective. So like there was really no bad performances overall. I mean, well, we'll get to that, but... <laughs> I did target one person for sure. The the good overshadowed the bad. I oh, absolutely, say. yeah. Guys out there making plays. Oh, no, it's hard. It's preseason. You don't really know who the Bengals were running out there, and it's it's game man- gamesmanship, right? So it was, there's it's hard to really get a really good look at like. But from what I saw, they're still pl- out there playing football. They're all professional football players. I thought it looked good. It was nice to have football back. Yes. If nothing else. All right, let's get to the good, bad, and the ugly on offense. I'll start with the the Jordan Love thing since I don't usually talk about him. Other than the really bad miss to Musgrave, he looked like an NFL quarterback out there. I like what they did in the beginning. They threw that first pass to Jones in the flat. They then got him out on the move, and they threw a ball out in the flat to the tight end. Like They got him comfortable with some shorter passes. And I thought that's smart, right? He's going to have some jitters, even though it's a preseason game, because he's now the man. But other than that really bad miss, I, I was really happy with the way he played. What about the throw to to Watson down the sideline? That was he, a bad he could have led him led him a bit more there, but he, those are tough. I mean, that's a t- that's a tough throw. It's not a bad throw. The throw was in the right spot. The read was wrong. I don't. You don't throw that ball. That safety was starting to drift over and. It, he should have. Yeah. That should have been an interception. Yeah, yeah. I think on that on that play, the the, the go route down the sideline. I think that that play either has to be designed to take the safety away, or Jordan Love has to look that safety off long enough so that he can't get over and make the play. Nitpicking, really. I thought I thought Love looked good. Yes, the miss to Musgrave. Although that's that's interesting. I don't know if you guys have seen the all twenty two coaches tape of that pass at the point that Love released that ball. And Musgrave was directly behind the middle linebacker. Mm. It was really yeah. interesting to see that. So it was clear that Love was leading Musgrave. He just led him way too far. I thought Jordan Love was exactly what I expected him to be. I've probably been higher on him than lots of people. I think he's going to be just fine. I've never had a lot of doubt that he'll he'll be just fine. He would have ripped Musgrave's arms. Both of them would have ripped off. <laughs> that, that was an absolute rocket. No, I'd agree with you both. I never thought I'd say it, but I hope I do continue to say it. I mean, for, for the good of the team, but he did look good. The one thing I did notice, he had a ton of protection. The protection looked solid. I mean, he was, and that's where he is going to succeed. Now, is is that because of you're not going against the Bengals starters or, or, or whatnot? Whatever it is, he looks very comfortable when he has protection. The big question mark is going to be like, when what's going to happen when he's under pressure? But that never really happened in this game for him so the throw to Dobbs was that was solid uh for the touchdown that, that was a great throw great catch 
they seem to have a synergy between them already. So that also looked good. Emmanuel Wilson was the star of this game. Unreal. <laughs> it was the 14th day of the, his father's passing away anniversary. Unbelievable. Peter, it says you have him ranked 708th on your 2023 draft list, 47th running back. I yeah, know. I mean, in your notes. I mean, well, I mean, the, the, the good news was that I had him on there at all. <laughs> I had a, was D2. It, right, yeah. It, it, it wasn't a name that immediately sprung out to me. So I was I was glad when I went back and looked that he, that he was there. And that's some in-depth yeah. shit right there, Peter. You had a D2 kid from school in, in Georgia or wherever it is. Outstanding. Where he goes from here, I don't know, because we see this stuff in in. in in preseason and it's a tough challenge if they're only keeping three running backs with with Goodson and Patrick Taylor there as well it's an it's an interesting spot and and the guy that they drafted as well i guess that he's given himself a shot with them not having these multiple roster cutdowns which they had in previous years this year it's going straight from 90 to 53 after the last preseason that oh. gives him a shot at, gives him a shot at playing all three preseason games and, and perhaps earning a spot or at least earning a you know a practice squad spot I did not know that. That's good though, because you get a chance. Then, then all those guys get a chance, right? They get a chance to show what they can do. I just thought it was nice to see. I don't. This is going to sound dumb, but it felt like a pure running back. Like I just felt like he he his vision was good. That cut that he made on the long touchdown run. He didn't just run into the back of somebody. He had his eyes open and his head up. I mean, it was well blocked, but it was also that's a good run. And I saw that he has like four six four speed. Well, he didn't get caught, you know. And I think he outran a safety. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Like <laughs> game. So speed. I mean, like the just to emphasize your point on on the cut that he made, he actually made two on that run. But the second one that he made was instinctual, where his head was up and he lured that defense into thinking that he is going to go through that gap. Made one cut and went to the outside, and then beat a safety down the sideline for 80 yards. Call it a fluke or whatever you want, but Matt LaFleur has a really great problem on his hands. A great problem, because that running back room is stacked. It is fully stacked. If that was not a fluke, and this guy is like a legitimate back, great problems to have. I would have said before this game that Goodson was an because in camp, that's all he talked about was Goodson and his movement and how he was getting out in multiple positions. I thought he was for sure. Patrick Taylor, I wasn't sure, but then Patrick Taylor does things that Tyler Goodson can't do. I mean, and he's a special teams guy. So I wonder, yeah, there's, and then this Emmanuel Wilson, who knows what he's going to do? Yeah, if I'm LaFleur, I'm putting that guy, like he's going to get some time in these preseasons to find out whether that was a fluke or not. Yeah, you know what Taylor is, right? You don't need to see him run the ball. Probably not. And Goodson isn't a running back. He's not a pure running back. You don't need to put him back there and get him killed in a preseason game because he's a little dude. He's that multi-guy that uh, Lafleur likes to have around that can do all kinds of shit. Like, that's that's who he is. Peter, I'm just going to say this. I saw this today, and I always think of you for Zach Tom. For whatever reason, you and Zach Tom, like, share parallel universes together he played left guard today what in the fuck are they doing with that man center right tackle left guard right guard he can play them all damn why is he playing left guard today i'm not asking you that i'm just saying (laughs) 
I wish I knew. I mean, my assumption is that he starts the season at right tackle. I'm just making that assumption right now. I I don't think that's his best position, as you as you well know. I think he can play left tackle as well, by the way. I think centre is his best position, but I guess it, it it's probably a case of, as it sometimes is, trying to get your best five linemen on the field. That may mean that Zach Tom plays, plays right tackle rather than centre. The root of that is that I believe that there is a pretty serious question like yes Bakhtiari was out so everybody's got to shuffle and do a different thing like like and be in bif- different spots right so you're not getting like the full lineup we know that and we know that when he comes back like we pretty much know who's going to go where there's still a big question mark around center I don't know that Josh Myers has himself a, a job I mean we saw who the hell was there Runyon. Runyon was playing center in this game, part of the second half. That was weird to see Runyon. You know, you've got multiple players playing all over the place, but that was that was unusual to see until they make a decision as to who the number one center is. The rest of the pieces are still kind of fluctuating a bit. To add to that, I saw that Bakhtiari didn't practice again today. Usually he misses a practice, then he practices, then he misses yeah. a any practice. He misses. He missed two in a row. My question on that is, what would what do you read into that? I think he is not gonna ever be a hundred percent healthy, and it makes me think. Then, and I'm really stepping down the rabbit hole here. Zach Tom moved to left guard because Jenkins is moving to left tackle, and Nyman's going to play right tackle, and that's why Zach Tom played left guard today to see if he could play in Jenkins' spot, so Jenkins could kick out the tackle. There's been rumors of dealing him. So I, don't so that be- I don't think it's going to happen. But Bakhtiari? Yeah. To the Jets? Yes. Yeah, Mike Greenberg, is who's a big Jet. I mean, it's all hypothetical, and they want to make news and whatever, but, like, it's not going to happen. But Is it health? Is it, are they going to deal Bakhtiari? Combination of both. I don't, I don't know. Look, clearly, when Bakhtiari is at his best, he is the best or one of the top two left tackles in the in the NFL. There's no question about that. This isn't about a judgment on how good he is. We know how good he is when he's at his best and how good he's been. You know, one of one of the best to play the position for the Packers. It's just that if he's not getting back to where he was and, and we don't you know that's a huge if, then you start to get into his cap number is 40 million, 40 something next season. If you're gonna consider, if the team is gonna consider if, again, it's a big if, they, if they're going to consider moving on from that number, now's the time to do it to get the most benefit from doing it. I'm not saying I would do it, but I'm saying now would be the time to get the most benefit from doing it. Hmm. That's true. But in the scheme of which tackle is more important for a right-handed quarterback, it's the left. You're talking about Jordan Love. You have to protect that guy's backside yeah. this year more than ever. Whatever you need to do to make sure that Bakhtiari is on the field and protecting Love's backside so he doesn't get fucking destroyed, you do it. And then you you know you get him through this year and see what see what next year has to bring. But logistically, the 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 problem with trade talk to the Jets is if you say if that were going to happen, and again, big if, what would you expect back for him? Right, you're not going to get a first round pick for a guy that's injured or been through his injury. Therefore, you're looking at a second-round pick at best. The Jets don't have a second-round pick right now because that's coming to the Packers in the Rodgers trade. So you're not getting a one and you're not getting a two from the Jets. Would you give him up for a third-round pick? I wouldn't. No, no, exactly. (laughs) And maybe there's nothing in it at all. 
Might maybe. Be. Yeah, maybe. It's all coincidence. He just decided yeah. to practice for two days. You know, they just decided to put Tom out there because they want to see if he could play every position on the line this year. I mean, I don't like, know. Like, he hasn't already proven that. Right. I mean, come on. We're going to skip bad and go right to the ugly. <laughs> How long will the Packers run Anders Carlson out there? He... Uh... <laughs> kicking drives me insane. I, I think out of anything, like, kicking drives me fucking insane. He missed two extra points and practiced again today. Pushed them right, just like he pushed the ones right in the preseason game. That's good, right? I, I mean, I actually think that that's a good thing. If you're going to miss them and you're consistently missing them one way, you should be able to make technical adjustments to not push them right every time. Although it is one of the easier kicks that he's going to have to make, the 36-yard from middle of the field kicks. But still, holy monkey, that was ugly. Bad, bad. They were bad misses. They were bad. About as bad as mine and boots <laughs> on that frozen field. I'm sure we've got that on video somewhere. Yeah, we do. I didn't push it right. <laughs> Up there in September when they play the Saints, and I'm going to practice my kicking. Maybe I'll wear my Mason Crosby jersey. I mean, I wonder, they have to be still in communication with Crosby. Like, hey, if we need you, stay in shape. We'll give you a stipend for mm-hmm. give you five hundred grand for a trainer and nutritionist or whatever. Just right. Start kicking in your garage or something. Start swinging that leg around. Uh, yeah, just do whatever. I mean, if he's missing in, in in practice and in preseason, I mean, what about the pressures of like real game time? I mean, holy shit! I mean, this this could really be a, an, an issue. His kickoffs look great. I mean, he's blasting them one hundred and nine yards, or you know. T- Whatever. Yeah, on a fly, like yeah. he kicked it over the back of the end zone on a fly. I was like, "Hallelujah!" Yeah, kick a fucking PAT, dumbass. Peter, what excited you on defense? Carrington Valentine generally played well and nice, nice interception, tipped ball, and all of that. But he played pretty well. The fact that the they gave up the odd big play here and there, they didn't give up that much. Didn't give up a, a, you know, a touchdown. The defense didn't give up a touchdown. So I thought there were lots of encouraging signs. I guess the other thing that stood out to me was because he's a guy that we all love and we love him as a kick returner. Was was seeing Keyshawn Nixon on defense and make a couple of plays early, early in the game, and it was just interesting to see him out there on defense because I think he's going to play a bigger part on defense this season than he has before. I don't think he returns punts this year. I think that's going to be Jaden Reed's job to return punts this year. And I think he will return kicks and play a lot more on defense, like you just said. The thing that I was really excited about defensively was just to see the young guys getting in there, making a little bit of of penetration on the defensive line. Now, it did, like Van Ness had some penetration and he totally whiffed on a tackle. We're going to see that Devontae Wyatt missed a couple tackles too. But going forward, rather than just trying to hold things up at the line of scrimmage, I think that getting your body in the way a lot of times, I mean, I'm hoping that that is a recipe for success. But I, I like seeing the the Woodens and the Brooks and, and the Wyatts moving their feet on the defensive line. That was pretty cool to see. It's very different from what we're used to. I agree with, uh, uh, for me, Devontae Wyatt, I think is going to be a player in this league. I would say out of the last couple draft classes, probably last three or four drafts, to me, I think he's going to be the the guy that's going forward that's going to be signing a big contract in a couple of years. 
was he outstanding in this game or, or have any big highlights? Maybe not, but like I just feel like he's he's got that pro mentality. He's got that pro look. I, I think he's going to do well this year. I think this is like his breakout year. I'm big on him. Peter, any negatives on defense? Stick um, not so much of a negative. I think defense is even harder to judge than offense in, in preseason because I think the defense plays very vanilla. Not so much of a negative, it's more of a question mark in in my head is I still don't know what's going on at the safety position. I still don't know. Clearly Savage is gonna play and he's gonna is gonna start, not least because of his experience and his and his contract. So we know that he makes he makes the team and and plays. And the fact that he can play multiple spots and they can line him up as a nickel corner, which is which may be where he's better best. But who the other safeties are on this team, I just don't know. Nobody seems to be jumping off the page and winning the job quickly. Is it Johnson from Iowa State that they drafted? I just read something today on him that he was taking snaps with the first string. Isn't that crazy? Because wasn't and he a So now all of a sudden his name is in the, in the mix. Again, a good problem to have. Like Peter has said a million times, like you can't have enough of those types of guys. Now you got Valentine, you got all, all these dudes, man, that, it was really weird to see Rudy Ford out there in the middle of the third quarter with the defense. Like, what yeah. Rudy Ford? Uh, yeah. I think that Johnson getting snaps with the ones is really not a positive. I think it shows that the Packers have no idea what that second guy is going to look like. They don't know if it's Owens. Owens had a d- abysmal PFF grade for this game. Now, granted, he only had like 18 snaps, so it's really hard with the small body of work. It's savage, and they have no fucking idea who the next guy is. None. And that's what I think Johnson getting snaps with the ones means. Because I don't know. He didn't do anything in the preseason game that jumped off the page to me. I'm a little concerned, Peter, with Lucas Van Ness. He is really raw. Really raw. Now, you you did say, to be fair, because I went back and listened, that he's probably next year, a next year guy. More than a this year guy. And after watching him, I 100% think he's a next-year guy. He has one move in his repertoire, and he's going to stiff-arm whoever is in front of him and try to run him the fuck over. I don't know why I'm cussing so much. Obviously, he's gifted physically. Nobody's going to question that. Can he play the position? He looks the part, but he doesn't. there is nothing dynamic about his... Any of the moves that he's trying to do, it's just, I'm going to try to bull rush you and use my arms and, and that's it. That's got to change for him to get himself into the starting rotation and and have a career in the NFL. I don't know who the hell he was going up against, you know, as far as like the Bengals are concerned, like at that point in the game, when you're going against some seasoned left tackles in the NFL, they're going to fuck him up. (laughs) Like they're, that's going to be, that's going to be easy. That's going to be an easy day for them. Stand in front of them. That's all they got to do at this point. Not get run over. And they're going to be fine. Next week's game versus the Patriots. I know it's a preseason game. Peter, what do we look forward to on the offensive side of the What are you looking forward to on the offensive side of the ball for the Packers? Two things. and Really, it's the quarterback position. So I'm looking forward to seeing how long Jordan Love and the number one offense plays. Again, it's probably only a couple of series. I would like to see them play longer. And I think the other thing is, I think we'd like to get another look at Sean Clifford. We haven't mentioned him so far. Pretty good with a couple of interceptions in there. What he was good at this week was not letting the interceptions affect the next play. 
but he very much looked to me like the same quarterback I saw in college. Th- throws a number of balls that can be picked, but he's the number two guy. We've got to remember that he's the, he's the backup. So it'd be interesting to see to see him again. And I'll throw another thing out there. I said two, but the third one is I want to see the wide receivers. I want to see more of those young wide receivers. We're kind of getting to know what we've got in Dobbs and, and Watson to a degree. I want to see Dontavian Wicks and, and and those guys. I want to see more of those guys because they're really intriguing. Yeah, we didn't mention Clifford. And we as Packer fans love the quarterback position. We love the backup quarterback. The backup. <laughs> I would say after watching Clifford play in this preseason game alone, he has cemented the two role. They don't need a veteran to come back in because if if Love goes down, the Packers are going to win three games regardless, right? It doesn't matter who you put in there. I'd like to see what they have in the third guy, the USFL guy, Magoo or whatever his name is. Yep. I think all three quarterbacks should get time. I think Love should get more time. Clifford should get less time. And then Magoo should get more time in garbage time, for lack of a better term. Because you don't need Sean Clifford to get reps. I don't think. Again, I think it's a lost season if he has to play anyway. And I have to agree with you. The wide receiver position, it's young, but those guys look like they have talent. Malik Heath has made the team, I think. Dontavian Wicks looked pretty good in this game. I think Samari Torre's got a tough road to make the team because I think they are in love with Jaden Reed. Samari Torre plays like a veteran. If a route needs to be broken off, he knows how to do it. He did it again in this preseason game. That's not a skill that every wide receiver has, to know where the open space is. It's the Randall Cobb thing. I don't know if Samari Toure will be on the Packer roster, but he's going to be on somebody's roster. I think he has a future in this league, so I'm looking forward to that too. What about on defense, Peter? What do you want to see in defense this week? Well, I think you've already mentioned that the names. I, I think we want to see more of Van Ness just to get a feeling for really where he is. So it's more about, I just want to see more of some of these rookies. I want to see more of Carl Brooks. I liked Brooks coming out of college. I want to see, see more of him. Wooden, we want to, we want to get a better look at. So it's really just, I just want to see more of the rookies. I want to see, see what they've got. And I want to see, as I mentioned earlier, I want to see some play from some safeties because I, because I want somebody to jump out of that, competition for one of a better word somebody to leap out of there and make the job theirs i think they should start anthony johnson why not let's see what he can do now it's not going to be mag jones probably right it's going to be bailey zappy but let's yeah. see what you do against the best quarterback they throw out there let's see where you are let's not see you against the twos and the threes because that's not going to do anybody any good owens and johnson should start at safety you already know what Darnell Savage does. You already know what Rudy Ford does. There's no reason to put him out there. I am, like I said before, I'm a bit concerned about Lucas Van Ness. I do need to see him play more. I'm hoping that he can do a little bit more than what I saw in the first game. Let him play 20, 25 snaps. What, what's the harm? 30 snaps. Let him play against the ones, the twos, and the threes. I do not care. I think he should play a lot in the preseason because let's face it right now, he's probably the fifth outside linebacker on the on the depth chart. Let him play as many snaps as he can play. Exactly, because he's not going to get many during the season. You don't need to see Justin Hollins. You don't need to see Preston Smith. You know what those guys were, are going to give you. And can, J.J. Anagbari, 
like to see him do something. He's gotten some snaps. It'd be nice to see him go out there and make some plays. All right. This is fun. It's good to see you again, Peter. So thanks for listening to episode 129 of the Average Cheese Podcast, the Charlie Brock episode. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.